0: from a technology perspective we are behind our entire team has run away this market is being dominated by open source what part should i fix first
1: welcome to outliers uh, this is a podcast with outliers and uh, you know last episode uh, we spoke to a 15 year old girl and and learned more about how she uses technology. Uh, She's a type one uh, diabetic uh, born with uh, diabetes. And it was a fascinating conversation. This week we are back to uh, some uh, more deeper insights on entrepreneurship. And I'm really excited to have Pallav Nadani uh, join us uh, in this episode of podcast.
0: Uh, Pallav, welcome. Thank you, Pankaj. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me over. Uh, For those of you who, who I want to know Pallav and I will find
1: that really <laughs> amazing if you actually don't. Uh, he, uh, the first time I heard about you was when I was in one of my assignments at Economic Times, and uh, bootstrapping was not being even talked about. So I heard the word bootstrapping first time. I was like, what? Well, I, you know, I, I write, but I'm not really good in English. <laughs> so I looked up and I read around and I. So then, uh, that's when I heard this first and fusion charts, and people were, you know, very privately people used to talk about. Uh, oh, by the way, do you know uh, there are startups who don't take money? And I was like, how can you be a startup and not take money? So that was my first. Uh, and then over the years, uh, I have watched uh, Pallab uh, as an entrepreneur, and uh, it's come to know him as someone who shares uh, bold insights and. Uh, and they are very valuable for everyone in the ecosystem. Uh, I think few months ago we met and had a deep conversation about your life and journey and that got me really thinking uh, including uh, you know the, the lessons in building a startup without taking money and all that. So that's the reason I really wanted to have this conversation. Uh, to kick off uh, this,
0: uh, tell me a bit about yourself, where do you come from, who are you? <laughs> so. I was born and brought up in Bhagalpur for the first 15 years, Pankaj. Uh, uh, And I had a great experience there. This was a pre-tech age, so you'd go out in the evenings, go to the field, play cricket, play football with the local boys, have a social connect. And I think I'm the last generation in our generation to be able to experience both the other side of the world and the new tech paradigm. Uh, So first 15 years I was there, then uh, my father started a web design business in Calcutta. Uh, this was 98 uh, but I was in class 8 so he said why don't you complete your class 10 and then move to Calcutta. I said okay fine uh, Completed my class 10 came to Calcutta. It was a total culture shock small town boy directly put dropped into a large city And on top of that then I went to one of the better schools in the city La Martini for boys so It was like a double culture shock So I think that was one of the most fun form- those were one of the most formative two years in my life because of the change of the city the change of school and then, while I was working in my dad's business, uh, I learned a lot of things about uh, overall life, what does uh, creating a business mean, uh, what should I be doing to get an uh, early sense of that. How was that, working with your dad as a co-founder? Oh, in that business, I was not his co-founder. So, <laughs> okay. he, so we. Uh, fortunately, I mean, in our family, computers have been there for a long while. So, my dad's elder brother, he used to run accounting and Payroll package in DOS and Clipper-based applications back in, I think, 85 or 86. Oh. Yeah, so those were the early adopters. Uh, unfortunately, that time they took the product mode and not the services <laughs> mode. Fortunately, <laughs> I took the product mode later on and not the services mode. So that's the backstory to it.
1: How did you become an entrepreneur?
0: Accidentally, very accidentally. So uh, I was in Lamartineer uh, in Calcutta, and that's a place where every evening, my colleagues would go out and to cafe coffee day or they would go out to bowling and these are pretty expensive activities for a 16 17 year old kid and i could go to my dad for pocket money a couple of times uh max thrice maybe go to mom once but even then you will short uh, fall short of money in the month so and given that i had been coding for a bit because of uh, computer in the house uh, i figured out hey why not try uh, using my coding skills to make some money so there was a site called asptoday.com which would pay handsome money for writing innovative articles. So, and this at that time, the web was pretty new. And so on one side, you had the desktop, which was pretty ugly, and on the other side, you have web, which was, that time, not so beautiful, but still bouncy and animated and all of that. So I said, how do I bring the goodness of web onto desktop, especially in terms of charts? And wrote an article about it. They used to pay a dollar a word, so I tried to write an article as big as I could they capped me at 1500 words and paid me 1500 (laughs) dollars and so then that got published I was like okay one article done I have to find another one wrote a couple more but once the charting article went out uh, it was interesting a lot of people would come to me and say you know what why don't you change this one small thing or build this for me and I'll pay you 100 dollars and that time and these were all uh, global guys like from US, from UK and for $100 they would send me check and I would cash those checks and that would be my pocket money for a week or a month I was like after a point in time hey, if I'm getting this money from these many different people why don't I make something which all of these have asked me to do and create a product out of it uh, that time I had no idea what a product is I had no idea how to go to sell it was just a bunch of sort of gut feelings combined saying okay this looks right let's do it the end goal was let's just make enough pocket money for cafe coffee day and bowling
1: So when
0: did it start becoming a serious business and how? So the good part is right from uh, year one we got started making some money, year one was enough pocket money. Year two was more pocket money that I had to save, year three was when it was a lot where I was like, okay, now I need too many, I need, I'm doing too many things, I need to hire people, so I started looking out, and I didn't know what hiring is, so on and so forth, so I reached out to, my elder brother used to work for another company earlier, software company only, my dad had hired a bunch of people, but I looked at myself like, why would somebody come and work for me, I have to find somebody like me, so I called my cousin and said, hey, I need to hire, he said, hey, I have a friend who just graduated, And then we started working uh, in in my bedroom. So first, I think six to eight months, we were working out of our bedroom. Obviously, both of us were single. And that's when we created something better. I still remember this was uh, March of 2005 when we released a product, a newer version of the product. And in one week, we sold as much as what we had done in the previous year. Wow. And then we realized, oh, we are on to something. Let's try now, (laughs) expand it. How did you go about that? I first asked my dad to join as a co-founder. I said, okay, I I can take my product. I know technology. I don't know anything about anything else. So why don't you come and join? At that point, his company was not doing so well on the accounting space relatively because obviously Tally was a market leader. And he was trying to build things around Tally and for Tally for some point in time. And he said, you know what, I can do that in my spare time as well. Let me come and help you. This looks like an interesting growth opportunity. So then he came and joined me as a co-founder. And from there, I mean, yeah, it's been... uh, This is is going to be our 15th year at Fusion (laughs) Chats. How was that asking your dad to be a (laughs) co-founder? I think it was pretty easy. I said, Dad, see, we are making money and I'm making good products. I can definitely use your help. He's like, okay, yes. Hmm. I think Uh, that that wasn't the difficult part at all. I mean, A, because... uh, he was doing business and he has changed his business a lot of times. So, he was not into computers, earlier he was into civil real estate, before that into trading. Then he started a computer training academy, before he started he gobbled a lot of books himself to learn computers and then he said, I'm going to teach. I'm like, okay, that's fine, ran a successful computer training center in Bhagalpur, that's in Bihar. Then he said, okay, web's coming. So, ninety-eight, he preemptively saw that the web is coming is going to change. He said, okay, I'm, go- I'm going to learn web design and build websites for clients. And then he started a web design company. And then he came to Calcutta and started building websites for clients, and these are some large corporate clients as well. So he always had that sort of hustling in him, I think, that gene I got from him. And he said, okay, let's try, what is the worst thing, we'll fail. But if something works, we just need to succeed once, so convincing him, showing that, you know what, this is really doing good, and I could definitely use a lot of expertise. it was a very simple conversation back then.
1: And. Uh... So, now I understand when did it start becoming a serious business, of course with Dad involved, it, it will be even more uh, so. Uh, what were the, the kind of tipping points uh, in, in
0: that early phase uh, where you said, oh okay, this is really going somewhere? So the thing is, in the early phases we are not logically thinking or we are not sort of rationally projecting anything. The only thing we are thinking is, are we satisfying our customers? Whatever customers are asking, let's do it. And because it was only me doing the development, production, website, sales, marketing, I had no communication overgap, uh, communication overheads, no sort of engagement with anybody else to be able to convince them why we were trying to do something. It was just me and the customer. So a lot of things started rolling from customer front end. Anytime we would release something, ten customers more would say, Hey, no, why don't we build this as well? And we would build that. And we always had a backlog of what are the things we want to do because the customers had asked us. So. Some of the key tipping points was, I think if I have to go back, one is obviously when I got paid for the article. Second is when people who read the article start, ask me to build something by sending those hundred dollar checks. Third is when I release the product, uh, post that every week or every month, sales grew without us putting any effort in paid marketing. We would just write content around it. And sometimes you would get paid for our own content, for our own marketing. <laughs> and then people would be very happy, like customers would be very happy. They're like, wow. And if I look back at that product, I like, my God, how did that product sell it? So embarrassing to look at the version of the product we built ourselves with the amount of the limitations and the constraints. But the most important part was every single day, every single week we're improving the product and we kept on increasing the versions. we kept on adding more value to the customers and they kept on paying us and we kept on increasing the prices and even when we increased the prices, nobody complained. So those are a lot of these small tipping points. And later obviously once I hired the first guy, my cousin's friend, uh, that also gave me a sense of, you know what? with two people, you can do at least 1.5 to 1.7x more. Or at least in the early days, it was even about 2x. That is okay. Now we have figured out if I can hire one, let's go and hire hire a lot of people. So one of the tipping points is also this ability to sort of not uh, be constrained by by what we know, but say, okay, let's try this. Worst case, we are going to fail. So that approach of uh, this approach or this philosophy was a key tipping point in our entire journey what give you, gave
1: you uh, this mental cushion for you to you know so so the reason i'm a- of course i'm asking this question in this age right sure. where you'll go around entrepreneurs sitting with millions of dollars right and uh, it's a, even they are not experimenting <laughs> but sure. but
0: what was your cushion why could you think like this how so, I had a bedroom provided by my dad, a computer which I had already bought and uh, just enough pocket money to be able to <laughs> go for bowling and cafe coffee day and the rest was for experimentation. So, I think uh, that being said, the most important part was the way we figured out is, hey, some of the things we have done is working out. we got to keep just keep repeating the cycle. If we don't do this, we are going to repent not doing it. And at that point in time, I had a lot of time to be able to sort of spend on this. I mean, it's always a question of time versus money. At that point, I had more time than money. Today, we have more money than time, but we use money to buy time by getting smart people on board. So if you don't do it, uh, so I mean, I don't see any other way here, uh, especially in a tech industry where obsolity is every six to 12 months. If you're not doing something new every day, every week, every month, uh, you're basically uh, creating your own coffin. Yeah. Uh,
1: what was the pinnacle, like the highest peak that you reached on the journey with Fusion Charge? Uh, in that first phase, what was that?
0: Hmm. Uh, So if I were to define the first phase was, uh, I did not hire any guy the first three years, Uh, the ability to sell to global companies sitting in India. Hmm. Still remember, we would have large Fortune 500 companies buy directly, come to our website and pay that money. Like I think that time the maximum we had was $500 license and they would buy. And we were like, whoa, we got this customer. And a lot of Indian companies would not have those customers, uh, unless you're a very large cu- uh, company. Uh, so that was one thing, Thank you. sitting in India, sitting in Calcutta, a non-descript uh, person can do this. Second was to be able to, like the customer compliments we got, like testimonials, incredible amount of testimonial And anytime your a customer would say how this, uh, I mean to the point of, I got promoted because I use your charts often to create dashboards which create data-driven culture in the organization, and I got promoted. Uh, if using your product, like some of the other customers say, we were able to sell more of our products and that, and when we look at it, we're like, hey, we're just creating a chart, but the impact of that, we never thought of that, that charts could have that impact, especially back then because it was not such, uh, it was not uh, such pervasive, but how people use that, how they consumed it, what value it added in their life how it would help them get promoted how it would help them make more revenue how government organizations who wrote to us and now because of that we have more uh, visibility into the inner workings charities government organizations so every day a testimonial would come so you will have like as an entrepreneur you will have the lowest flow and the highest high the lowest low is there's a bug and it's a very embarrassing bug or something has crashed and you'll fix it and the next hour you'll get a compliment hey because of this we are successful and you keep sort of going through that ebb and flow that cycle so the first three years, I think the biggest one was probably getting some of the Fortune 500 customers. Okay. Then next three years, uh, shipping a lot more products; those were big high, and every product being used by a lot of customers. Uh, the third block of year, three years after that, uh, getting White House to use and having a fo- photo of Barack Obama yeah. looking at fusion charts. No, uh, we all that. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that was a high. Then in terms of, uh, I mean, getting on Facebook, LinkedIn, Weather.com, eBay their public sites powered, uh, charts powered by us, so at different points I think different kinds of I and then obviously ability to build a team, uh, manage it with obviously all its ups and downs. So <laughs> there's no one specific vector outside <laughs> Pankaj but it's a mix of a lot of these small things. And how, how did revenue
1: uh, get over? also give me a sense of growth on, on that front, like sure. what what is that you, you achieved at, you know, at, at the peak in that sense?
0: So uh, in the first five years we grew over 100% year on year. Then growth slowed down to double digits, high double digits. Uh, I think we peaked at 2013, uh, because uh, the product that we had by then, which was flash based, the technology itself got it, eroded away after that. So right now we are rebuilding on the new technology to a point where we have started innovating again. So 2013 FI was our peak in terms. I think we hit just about 50 crores in revenue, uh, all of it bootstrap, never raised any money and, So one of the goals we had was whatever we do run the operation as a lean operation. So yeah, one of the goals we had was whatever we do run it as a lean operation. So uh, focus on the product first, uh, focus on the customers, then add additional layers of let's say uh, we're hugely marketing driven, but not very sales driven. So a lot of the learnings which we now know, if we could have (laughs) applied earlier, obviously that would have been a different scene, but uh, if you look back, yeah. uh, those learnings? Oh, a lot of learning so uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, first is to make myself redundant in organization till about 2010 and there's something I take pride in as well and something I'm like, what were you thinking, Pala? Uh About 80 to 90% of the code shipped by 2010 or was also handwritten by me, which I should not be. 40 people were reporting straight up into me without any second layer. Zero sales team members till 10,000 customers. Uh, zero sales team, yeah, that's right. Uh, then support we added much la- later, uh, we could have created a lot more engineering teams but we did not know how to create that, we did not know what HR policies were. So I think some of the uh, cons of not working for another organisation came to bite us but those are also some things which made us successful because we could question everything saying, "Nahi, this there has to be a better way to do it because there is no sort of hangover or background uh, from an existing process. I mean, in terms of learning something, every day we have a new learning and we go back and say, you know what, we should have done this separately.
1: There there was also, uh, there's this famous uh, legend that goes around in the ecosystem that you also received uh, a very tempting offer from one of the companies, I don't know, 30, 50 million dollars or whatever it was. Sure. Uh, I'm not
0: forcing you to reveal the name, but what was that? How was that? And uh, what happened? Okay, so we have received three offers in our life, Uh, so without... Getting into the details, sure. yeah. uh, The first one that we see was 2010, and at that point we were like growing pretty fast. And uh, once you receive an offer, and you, I mean, I didn't even know what acquisition is. This is, I think, 2009-10, okay, and I was still in Calcutta. At least once you're in Bangalore, you know, okay, so there's something called acquisition. I mean, the first time when somebody called us a bootstrap business, even I had to Google what does bootstrap business mean. Is that a category of business or what? <laughs> I was so, not the only one. <laughs> uh, so I had no idea what an acquisition is, and especially the way they structure the meals. You know what we have. Can we explore strategic partnerships and strategic synergies? I'm like, okay, are these guys looking for a license or what? Are they going to pay me a lot more money for the license? Then I consulted some of my uh, mentors here, I mean, uh, who were sort of advising me. They said, no, this is an acquisition offer. Go get an iBanker, get them to talk to them. So obviously got an iBanker involved at that point in time. But uh, the first attempt, uh, we were hyper bullish on how fast we can grow and uh, sort of the valuation mismatch happened. Uh, and I'm so glad that we didn't sell it for the first time. The second one happened, I think, three years later, and that was the larger one. At that point in time also, we were uh, we were almost at the top of our game at that point in time, and uh, we did receive a good offer, but due to a technical glitch in the way we license our product and the way we uh, used a competitor's product as part of our product, uh, that posed a problem. Uh, didn't go through. Again, glad didn't go through because after that, when... So when you are especially when you're going uh, everything is going good and you're having the right momentum you think you are sort of the guy who's driving it and everything every decision you're taking is right and when things start sort of uh, not going your way that's the most important part of the learning and I think from 13 onwards till about 16 uh, in my 14 year journey till then those three years have been the most instrumental in shaping me as an entrepreneur so if I would have sold it we should have made sense as well, I mean obviously we would have gotten that money and we could have started something else but I would have repeated the same mistakes again in the new venture. Now with that last three years of experience of how things will not go as you want it to be so we are sort of uh, not calling it a new venture but this is phase two of what we are building now and we are building it in a very different way compared to the last time so glad we didn't sell uh, obviously I mean that could be angur but the learnings are obviously going to be more useful in the future.
1: I think it's a very important phase that you hinted at. You you got to the peak, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then for different reasons, uh, things started sure. going downhill. I mean, don't I mean I hope sure. you don't. You are no, not someone be. who did <laughs> <okay. laughs> By all means, please use the Truth is truth. From from there, right? Uh, and I remember talking to you. I think few months ago when we met, you said you almost were like, okay, like, giving up. You know, like, can I get out of this or something? Sure. What was that a moment uh, all about? And then we can get into this new life.
0: Sure. So, uh, I mean, there were multiple factors to it, uh, here Obviously, the top was my naiveness and immaturity on how to deal with situations like this. But there were some macro factors as well. So one was obviously when uh, the shift in technology from Flash to JavaScript happened. Eight to nine years of our work was literally out there on a sort of a hanging thread because we had to rebuild everything in JavaScript. By that time, while we had built a decent Flash team, I had not understood the process of rebuilding a team in a new technology in a city like Calcutta. So the move from Flash to JavaScript was very painful, number one. Uh, Number two, then we came to Bangalore and we built a decent team here, which helped us convert Flash to JavaScript, helped us build the middle management, the sales expertise, the sales engine, uh, marketing as well along with my brother Sanket, which I'll talk about later uh, a middle layer of management and we added a bunch of products and we tried some experiments with different models of running a business uh, what happened 14 till 15 because of the hype, two things happened, one of our new products failed so that somehow affected the team morale and I was not able to quarantine it well second is uh, because of the hyperfunded companies a lot of our guys uh, got poached by some of the larger guys Funded guys, half of them who are shut right now or on the verge of shutting down, uh, with abnormal hikes. And for us, because we've been bootstrapped, we have a model of operating. Uh, we had to. We really went to the drawing board and said, if we do this, we're going to destroy the culture that we have and our operating model. For us, it's okay for two years not to sort of. Uh, for uh, for us, it's okay to have two years uh, two painful years as opposed to creating a culture which will be painful forever. So literally, in our Bangalore team. It, uh, sorry January 15 we were about 55 ja- sorry January 14 we were 55 January 15 we were six Same. so entire product team got piped off there and because again some of the naiveness that I did when I moved from Calcutta to Bangalore personally I did not create them as very independent centers so there was uh, like half product teams there half product teams there and it was like it was a chaos and at that time I'm like okay you know what from a technology perspective we are behind our entire team has run away this market is being dominated by open source, what part should I fix first? And if you fix one thing on part A, suddenly something will happen in part B or something will happen in part C and every week we would have a new open source competitor. And you're sort of battling these three different things and you're like, what do I do right now? And that time we said, okay, you know what, if we can get a buyer, let's find it. We got an offer, but uh, again, uh, That offer was not as much as we wanted, number one. And obviously by that point in time, we said, okay, that offer took six months. And by that time, we had fixed a few things. And again, we're trying to get a lot of clarity on what do we want to do next. So that 15th uh, January, or I would say 14 mid, till about 16 start was the kind of, was a period where, I mean, we're still making millions of dollars in profit. So from a business standpoint, we were still pretty solid. It was just the chaos and the, sort of the ability to fix so many different things, which were like fundamentally wrong. And then looking into the future and saying, will this business grow again? Or what is a new vector that we can take? So we do not have clarity there. So, yeah. the,
1: uh, Sorry to
0: just jump into this.
1: It, it, is it also a kind of a phase where as a founder, like you said, you were making money, but is it a phase where you kind of lose interest altogether? Like does that also, did, was, was that what was happening
0: then? So I, I don't think it's about interest here Pankaj, at least if I have to speak about me personally. As founders you have a goal, you want to make better things, you want to work with great people, uh, you want to deliver value to your customers and to be able to sort of maneuver and navigate through that you need to have some semblance of control on how do you think you you'll go from point A to point B. With so many things on sticky wicket which are highly variable Every time you're moving a step ahead, you're forced to move two steps back. So the interest was always there. Obviously, there were questions or doubts about what is the future of this industry, the min- minute industry we were in, and which you're not able to sort of uh, very well describe back then, now where we have a lot more clarity. And every action you take, you're taking two steps back. So that sort of created a mo- also more uh, frustration, more uh, despair than la- lack of interest. And... Uh,
1: we talked about technology disruption that happened in your space and this whole open source wave and on the other hand operationally you were facing all these challenges. Right. Um, now, uh, mm, let us come uh, to 2006, 2016 phase. Sure. Right? And, and, and of course now you mentioned that you are building something new. Is there a point in time when as a founder you should, you should kill it and do something new? Or, because I have seen a lot of founders, say they don't kill it, sure. but they will do something. New. Sure. How, how is that balance? So, I mean, like, this also is something which I pick, like, Girish, uh, desk talks about, you need to be dispassionate
0: about. Sure. It, it easier said than done. Sure. So, I think uh, in that, uh, I don't have an exact answer for this here, Pankaj, but I'll tell you what worked for me and what kind of mental models we are using. So, uh, the way we are approaching this is... Uh, what is pushing us forward? What is pulling us backward? And we would use to, and me and my father, we would sit or walk over emails or over calls saying, uh, What are we working for? And we would ask very abstract questions. Imagine today if we stop working. We say, You know what? Let's shut everything and we are going vacationing. How many days before we get bored and we'll come and build something new? Both of us said, Maximum two weeks. After that, we can't, and we have tried it multiple times where we would, me and my wife or family, we would go vacation for, uh, let's say, three weeks or four weeks exactly 11th, 12th day, we are like, no, we can't do more. It's just like, I mean, it's it's good to explore, it's good to travel, but there's a feeling on the 11th and 12th day, and it has happened thrice over, so it's not like a sort of a one-off, where we need to feel, do, we need to feel that we are building something interesting, otherwise there's a creative void which sort of sets in. And that creative void kills you internally. Because yes, you are traveling across the world, you look at happy people, you're staying at nice places, eating all the food, partying all as much as you can. But you can only do it so much, because those are things which are fillers. Those are things which are not your main life. So we asked, okay, what if we shut this today and uh, we don't do it? We, what do we do ahead? They're like, we're going to make another business. They're like, okay, what do we need to do and make another business? We need an idea. We need people. We need an office space. And uh, yeah, we need customers and partners. What do we have today? We have an idea. We have people. We have customers. We have partners. And we have an active brand to hire more people. So we have one more thing if we continue today as opposed to shutting it off and starting. So instead of looking, so what we changed is we changed the perspective of us as being Fusion Charts as a product to Fusion Charts as a company which can create great products. And which is where we evolved the uh, framework of people valued over process, valued over products. Earlier we were always like product, 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 product and customer. Now we are like if we have great people with a decent process we can create any kind of product. To be able to do that, we have to fail creating products because if the more we fail, the more we learn from what failures did we have. The more we fail in hiring, the more we know what kind of people would work for us, and we talk, I can talk about all the hiring experiments we did. The more we fail in process, the more we know what kind of process it would work. After a clean amount of failures, we just need one great product again to build back what whatever we are trying to attain, to feel that, uh, to build a customer value, to feel that sense of uh, uh, being creative. To be able to overall contribute to the ecosystem. So he said, we already have those building blocks. So why uproot it? Yes, we'll need to change some of the building blocks. But if you've survived three nuclear winters. So this is not the first time you were about to die. There are two more stories before that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell so, me about them too. So hmm. first one was where Eastern European uh, company copied our source code and started selling for cheaper. $20 cheaper each license blatantly. And we're like, what do we do? Uh, then we called uh, our legal they said you know what a Eastern European copyright back then was not very strong so even if we went fight we don't know whether we are going to win but we are definitely going to lose and lose a lot of time and definitely years of revenue They're like we are technologists we are not <laughs> 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 we, are, we do not want to go into this space So he said okay if you have to think like a tech person what do we do? He said hey let's make a better product and make our previous product free what they're selling for twenty dollars cheaper So we did that we made a way better product and made that our previous version which they're selling for cheaper free. They died within six months or something. Second one was the Flash to JavaScript story. Third one was when our entire Bangalore product team got wiped off, and we literally had nobody to sort of uh, run and manage multiple products. So we said, if you survive three nuclear winters, what is the worst that can happen? So we internally call ourselves a cockroach startup more than a bootstrap startup, and that's a term we have borrowed from the internet. So we like, okay, now we got the fundamental basics right. <coughs> we know how to build products. We know how to. We have money in the bank, and each year millions of dollars are getting added because of what we have built. We have customers who still like us if they not love us yet because we have to win their love back by delivering a lot more. We have people who trust the FusionCharts brand whether it's employees or vendors and we have a sense of ownership that, ownership and also culture that we will not ship bad products. And these are the base fundamentals for building a Decent enough product company from India. And we also have that outlook that we're going to build from India and build for the global world so that our quality benchmark is very high. Right from day one, everything has to be global. And then there are obviously a lot of missing gaps which we are now fitting in with respect to rebuilding the value team or expanding to new product areas. So that's our operating philosophy right now that uh, figure out what is the most important thing that we can do in the industry that we are in by approaching the pain point through a framework that we use as well ensure how do we hire great people and fill in the gaps and ensure how we are having fun together while building it and we are not in the mood of like hyper growth and make people work on weekends compulsorily it's like hey come here let's build great products together and let's have fun one of
1: the temptations would also have been about I mean raising money altogether. together I understand that sure. the bootstrapping part of it but uh, I'm sure you would have received interest over uh, you know this uh, career as an entrepreneur so how, how was that and what is your take on, on, on that?
0: So I think uh, we we did, uh, so we never, okay, let me take a step back. So this was 2008 onwards when I think we won the Emerge award from NASCOM and then we came into the sort of eyes of uh, people looking out to invest. And we did get a lot of interest. And I just met a lot of these people but out of curiosity. <laughs> because in Calcutta you never know about, Calcutta is a dhanda place, okay they the only thing that matters is bottom line. So business is run like a business. Uh, and when I shifted to Bangalore, I think 10, 11, 11 I shifted, but I used to come to ask product conference and some of the other uh, conferences. Uh, then I would meet a bunch of these guys to be able to understand what is this. Some offers were definitely tempting, and some of those guys who were supposed to be investing are good friends right now. Even they say, glad you didn't take our money because you're building a company a different way. Uh, two reasons why we didn't take money here. So one is whatever money they were giving, we already had it in the bank and we didn't know how to use it because ours is a business where we cannot, it's not just like we throw a lot of people or a lot of money in marketing and it will grow. It has to grow organically. That's the nature of the business that we have here. It's not a winner-take-all market. It's not where I can throw 100 more people to innovate faster. It's a slow, curated, I would say, craftsmanship process of creating good products and we are completely okay with that. And secondly, at that point in time, we would have taken the money. I wouldn't know how to exactly scale up as well because I was not... I was not a CEO, I was not an author I was just a techie who was trying to code and good things happened to him in that sense. So there was also this sort of fear, hey if somebody comes in and I don't know what to tell him that why am I doing this, 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 will I get, get mocked at? So in hindsight obviously that worked out very well for us because especially what we went through from 14 till mid 14 till 16, at that point they would have definitely asked us to do a distress sale or something of that sort. And glad we didn't take that, so we, had, we have no guns to our head.
1: Um, how do you look at entrepreneurship? Like if, if I, if you were to look at your, you never worked for anyone, never. like you started when you were a teenager, 16, 16, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and sure. if I may ask you, how old are you now? 32 32, okay. 16 years. Okay. Good yeah. time to with it. 16 years. You have spent <laughs> right. trying, I mean, building a product, an idea, mm-hmm. seeing it through, then trying to do something new, Sure. life and death uh, sure. and, and, and cycles. And you've never
0: worked for anyone. So what does entrepreneurship mean to you? I think uh, it's a way of self-discovery here, most importantly. Uh, And the good parts I like about it is because A, you are just one step away from really the problem that you're trying to solve. There's no bureaucracy in between. B, you get to choose people you want to work with, which is the biggest uh, advantage I have. I get to choose people I want to work with. And obviously, they also choose us saying that, you know what, you want to work here. Uh, C, lot of things which we are trying and experimenting, those are interesting things. Like curiosity is the biggest friend of an entrepreneur. It's a journey of self-discovery, you keep into, uh, trying things and failing things. Uh, what would have killed me in a job is the discipline and the boredom, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yes, I agree, even here on in entrepreneurship there's 50% grinding and 50% thinking. But that grinding is also done in a fun way because you know the why you are grinding. It's not like, hey, just do this. Everybody in the organization needs to know why they are doing this even if you are writing this one line of code or you are writing this one email how does it affect the overall larger picture so that's the most important part and yes we keep on telling i mean every entrepreneur thinks he is sort of changing the world but fortunately we are not in that delusion we are just doing things which are of value to customers and as long as we can deliver that value to customers and we are proud of our craftsmanship i think that's we can't ask more i mean that's a perfect place to be at so, so if if you were to sit 16 years down the
1: line, you would have tried and different things as an entrepreneur. Absolutely.
0: In fact, maybe beyond software. So I have a bunch of ideas beyond software, beyond tech as well, and I'm very curious about that. Just that right now we need to get our uh, at least for the next 10 years a lot of things here because we have a lot of ideas floating around now. We are rebuilding the Bangalore and Calcutta team, augmenting it. We've got a uh, we hope clear understanding of what the market wants, and already we are in the process of releasing. Uh, some of the newer products and validating some of the newer ideas that we have. So the good part is, at least in tech, every six months everything changes, and there are so many new things to sort of go and build on top of. Outside tech, I do have curiosity in some of the places, but uh, that's for <laughs> at least uh, um, that's in the backlog for at least a decade. Good. Uh,
1: another uh, piece of learning I thought uh, is there in your career and life is so you, you father uh, became the co-founder. Mm-hmm. And then Sanke, uh, your brother was also part of the company. Right. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I, I can understand, empathize. Why would you work with people you know well? You know, mm-hmm. the, fam- the familiarity sure. is a big thing. How has uh, how what has been your experience mm-hmm. in working with your father
0: sure.
1: and getting to work with your brother? And then he, he, he also quit, let us, so in whatever, to whatever
0: extent you can share, it would be good to get, hear your experience. So there are multiple angles to hear, Pankaj. Uh, So when I started out, uh, I needed somebody who was very senior, who could help me with a bunch of things I did not know. And my father was the perfect opposite of me. Things which were his strength were my weaknesses, my strength his weaknesses. And that's still the same today. So we are a perfect fit. And... Yes, we do fight often in office, not in office, as in not in front of people, but uh, on issues, debate, healthy debates. We'll get angry with each other, but the moment we are home, we're back to our family relationship. So, out at work we have a different avatar, at home we have a different avatar. And the good thing is because both of us are opposite, but the intent is always the same, and uh, there's no, there's not even any iota or doubt you can have. Let's say with somebody who's uh, maybe a hired hand, you may question at some point in time, here you take out all that fear factor and that becomes beautiful because then even if you are arguing in the most uh, heated debate, your mind says this is wrong but your heart says okay, both of us are still thinking the right for the company mm-hmm. and second thing which is I think which is very important especially in the Indian context and especially for our generation, we don't get to talk to our fathers as often especially the way our fathers bought us, uh, now when I'm uh, when he's my co-founder almost every day I talk to him and that becomes a great thing so that we have not lost a connect, uh, even on like when we go out or share a drink, you are talking half work or half other things. So that helps me maintain that bond. Otherwise, mostly in India, we have seen that okay, once you get out of a city, it's like once a week or once a month call, and that sort of becomes, uh, I don't know, a little disconnected. <laughs> so that so that was the added benefit. Obviously, I did not think through of all any of this when I uh, requested him to join as co-founder, and he's been very happy that uh, he's been able to help me scale this up, uh, contribute in a very very impactful way and he's the CFO and obviously because of the profits that we generate yeah there's a lot of work to be done around that as well which which is sort of his strength and he likes doing it and he's more of a people person so from both sides it has worked out well.
1: Would you uh, would you have done it even if you were not a teenager when you started out?
0: Uh, if I had to do it today I would yeah. still do it okay. yeah no, 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 yeah, yeah. So, uh, so with Sanket I mean uh, <coughs> s- he was in so uh, he moved to Bangalore to do his engineering at RB College and I think then he got into another company without naming. It took me a year to convince him to come back to Calcutta to do the family business. So one thing about Marwadis is and not to sort of just stereotype it that Marwadis or let's say business communities typically get all the family members first. I don't know if it's a cultural trait or is it, there's a logic behind it but somehow that is worked. and my reason was not that. I was just not finding marketing guys in Calcutta. So Calcutta was primarily a services ecosystem, and in services also very bottom in services ecosystem. Uh, so for somebody to come with creative bent of mind which combines technology, marketing, uh, quick learning, uh, and still be in Calcutta, that would be a difficult challenge. All such smart guys from Calcutta are mostly in Bangalore. So I had to convince Sankit to come to uh, Calcutta, uh, it took me about a year I think, uh, then he came and joined, and I think he, was the most, he has had the most phenomenal impact on Fusion Charts. Uh, when it comes to creating that brand so he was the perfect sort of bent of combination of left brain and right brain and obviously he evolved and he learned a lot as well and he contributed a very uh, good few uh, few good years at fusion charts and helped us become what we uh, what we became uh, I think in terms of him leaving there are a couple of reasons is one is obviously after a point in time you get if you are not sort of the co-founder um, you get bored of selling the same thing like charts and in this case charts are a small thing and he wanted to go out and explore a uh, bunch of other things and obviously in the dynamics of when both of you are in your 20s and brothers there's this brotherly dynamics where both of you are trying to outsmart each other even if it's for the common good. Somewhere I think that also uh, contributed a little to him moving out. Uh, if I would have been uh, and this was again in the middle of thick of the bad things that were happening to us. so. It was like a rolling snowball, and it caught him as well. And then he moved on. If I was, if it was today, oh, I would definitely not let him go. <laughs>
1: um, just to stay with the, your journey with Fusion Chart, and, mm-hmm. and before I move to a, a broader question, sure. Um, so, is it really like the end of Fusion Chart as a product we know, and a new avatar as part of your, you know, entrepreneurial
0: venture? Is that is it a good way to assist this? Uh, actually no, so we are taking a slightly larger bet and we hope we can chew it what we have bet uh, and this is, that's why we are expanding. So we are expanding both in terms of depth and fusion charts uh, by making the product more powerful and adding a lot more products to it and we are expanding in width as well by adding more layers of products so apart from fusion charts we have Calabion. Uh then we are building something under stealth mode which we'll be able to really uh, talk about in another six months. Each of these are entities. By themselves. So, for example, Collabion already has three products. We have bought 400 enterprise customers uh, right from your likes of World Bank, Pfizer, Schlumberger, all these companies. At Fusion Charts, we have 28,000 customers and 750,000 developers who use our product. So, we are going uh, Fusion Charts both mile wide and mile deep. And Collabion, right now, we are inch wide and mile deep, and we, have, we want to keep adding to that. And the third one, which you're bringing, is more exciting. I
1: <laughs> got speed with that. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm a more final uh, question. Sure. Um, so, uh, like, so bootstrapping is there. In, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, in the industry in general, in India, sure. the whole software product or whatever you call it, there is this uh, Sridhar Venbu way. Sure. Uh, of Zoho, who never took money from any VC and sure. built Zoho. And then there is Girish. Okay. Sure who of course came from Zoho and is now uh, rocket ship, uh, you know, fresh desk, uh, heavily funded of course and on a different path. Uh, How do you look at these two uh, models, if if I can call them
0: models, if at all they are? And uh, what is your take? So I think before you compare the models of bootstrapping versus raising money, we have to go one level below. It's a founder who's made that decision. Every founder lives his life or builds his company around his DNA, around his operating model. And there are founders who can build Shridhar way, there are founders who will build Girish's way. And we can't say one of them is right or one of them is wrong. Uh, Shridhar took a lot more time, Girish took a lot less time. But let's say Shridhar owns 100% of the company, Girish will own uh, slightly lesser than that. And we can keep on debating the pros and cons. But the question which I ask, on panel, so one, one thing also tell them, and up is not just about not raising money. It's about an operating philosophy. So, for example, you don't have money, but you only need 200K. Hmm. You raise that 200K not as equity. Raise it at de- raise it as debt, paid back with phenomenal returns. That's the only risk you're taking. But don't raise 200K with the intent of raising 2 million and then 20 million and 40 million. So, it's a operating philosophy. The way you look at everything in the company, how you avoid bloat, how you prioritize. By all means, prioritize your MacBooks if it helps you. Your ergonomic chairs, because you have to be sitting on that for 16 years, a nice pair of headphones. But a fancy office, after a headphone, a chair and a computer, you can be sitting in the middle of African forest and still program as long as there's internet. So it's about the right prioritization. So, uh, I don't think the starting point of any entrepreneur should, the starting question should ever be should I bootstrap or not. The way I look at it is, you build your first company for currency, build your second company for legacy. Unless you have built a million dollar company, you can't go to 10 million, you can't go to 100 million, you can't go to billion. Obviously, there will be outliers, uh, but that's more serendipity. So, it's a stepping stone to success. So, first build your 100k business, then build your million dollar business, then 10 million, then 100, then a billion. And all of those will require fundamental shift of paradigms, of mindsets, of your operating philosophy. Bootstrapping gives you more time and more luxury, but it also sometimes could backfire because you have nobody to talk to and you have to figure it out, out on your own. Funding gives you lesser time, but you have more access to more, let's say VCs or networks, unless in Bootstrap you have reached a level where you have access to the same network. But funding also reduces your uh, cycle to seven to 10 years, or if the first idea did not go too well, maybe you have just one pivot left. Mm-hmm. So I would not evaluate it from that. I mean, uh, if I were to start today, yeah. and if you ask me with Bootstrap or Funded, uh, If I, and if I had not built Fusion Charts, I'll be very open to both the ideas. So based on the type of business that I'm building, if it's a me, if it's just me sitting in a room and doing some fantastic programming and that could scale up, I don't need to go raise money because raising money also comes with its own share of expectations, governance, uh, people's expectations, your members, your employees will suddenly have a lot more expectations. With bootstrapping, you are also sort of curating the kind of people you want to work with. Obviously, that entire spectrum of people then gets reduced because uh, it's a narrow spectrum of people who will work in a bootstrap company, especially the higher-level guys, the senior executives. So I think it's it's a healthy debate, but there's no one specific outcome which we can clearly say. (laughs) Thanks, Malab.
1: This uh, this was really fascinating. And I think as a rookie, just born entrepreneur myself, I have learned a lot of things, and I keep learning. And I, I feel I'm really uh, fortunate to be able to spend so much of time learning from others. So thank
0: you for your time. I really had good fun. It was awesome having you, Pankaj. And it's always a journey as I keep on saying. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks.